Welcome back to the Press Conference Podcast. I'm Dan Simonite and today I'm speaking with Hal Boxall Dockery about carving a full-time role at his local club Harrogate Town, a typical day in the life of a non-league media manager and an explanation on the rebranding process of a football club. Hal Boxall Dockery, I think I've got that right, have I? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Wicked. How are you, mate? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you sort of keeping in this period? Are you still working or are you working from home? No, um, I'm like you, I've been furloughed at the moment, so just trying to think of other things to do while not being able to work for Harrogate Town, which is it's, it's not very good, not not being able to work at the moment, because obviously loving your job and all that, but trying to use it as a bit of an opportunity to refresh for when we do come out and get back on it, we're raring to go again. And you've been at Harrogate quite a while now, haven't you? Just sort of describe first and foremost, how you kind of got involved with them? I, I guess it's a bit of a long story, but after sixth form, finished sixth form, didn't really know what to do. And then I saw UCFB, the football-specific uni. So I thought, I love football, you know, why not give it a go? While I was there, in the three years I spent in Burnley, I was lucky enough to be able to have a placement with Burnley's media team. Lasted three or four months, and it was actually when they got promoted to the Premier League, so 2013-14 season. And I just felt so involved in the club, being able to chat to players, being in press conferences. I think at that point I decided this is what I want to do as a career. So ever since then, I've been trying to work my way back to that point. So I came out of uni. There wasn't too many paid jobs going, but... I volunteered with my local team, Harrogate Railway, right on my doorstep. Um, spent a season there and it was a great experience for me, even though it was in the Evo Stick Division 1 North. People, even football fans probably don't know too much about that level, but it was really good to build my skill set. And after a season there, Harrogate Town were undergoing some changes, needed to build a media team. So... I was, I think, one of the first people I looked at, having seen what I'd done for Harrogate Railway, and yeah. I jumped at the chance to get involved and, and experience football media a little bit higher up. Um, started voluntary there, did a year as a volunteer, then slowly progressed to three days a week and, and now to a full-time position. So, yeah, it's been a gradual process of getting there, but it's been a really enjoyable one. Yeah, that's good. So did, was there someone there before you and did you sort of learn off people there? Was there a sort of media manager before? At Harrogate Town, yeah, it was Daniel McGeechy who was there before me. Um, it was a slightly different role. I think he was communications manager there and he was involved in the rebrand and other areas like that. But he, he set about building a communications team which involved me as press officer and Lewis Middleton, who's gone on to do a lot of really good things as videographer. So we came together in that first season. I really enjoyed that that first season in the North. I think we finished mid-table, but again, it was a a learning experience for me. And then at the end of that season, when there was a bit of change around, he left the club to go on to Bradford City. I think it it was he went there after. And then there was an opportunity for me to take a little bit more responsibility and, and take it from there. Yes, what were your sort of responsibilities before and then? Was it sort of just interviews, features with players and stuff? Yeah, it was covering most matches. So there wasn't anything through the week, any office work, but it was attending all the games, making sure everything was covered, like Twitter feeds, Instagram, mainly all the social media. And then occasionally there'd be 
a feature to write if we'd signed a player or, or for example, we laid the 3G pitch and, and had a story on that. Because as, as you'll know, there's a lot of different areas, even at our level of a club, that needs covering. So it, it is quite a big job for one person. So I, I would advise people to you know, build a team and, and have as many hands on deck as you can. You progressing into the role, was it just a general progression or did you have like an interview phase or was it just they saw you as the man and they thought, you know, we want him? Yeah, I think, first of all, bringing me in as a volunteer, there wasn't really, because there's not too many local clubs with people who were doing this kind of thing. So I guess there wasn't too much competition for me. Mm -hmm. And then it was a little bit of a, now we're growing as a club, the role kind of, was created from that and, and it needed to be filled fairly quickly. You know, how quickly football moves. We couldn't really waste any time not having someone to do it because we all had all this going on off the pitch, going full-time, laying the 3G pitch, setting up the ladies' team. So there was never really an interview process as such, but just a few meetings along the way to see what each other's goals were and, and whether we'd be able to work together. And luckily we have. Yeah, it's a arrogant seems to be, you know, me looking from afar, a team who've, you know, grown a lot in the past few years. Um, how good is it to come on at this stage, you know, when they're in this growth period and they're, you know, progressing up the pyramid and they're building all these nice facilities and stuff? Yeah, it's excellent. I think everyone involved with the club and even outside the club can see that it is going places. Obviously, with a very ambitious owner and board, there's going to be that drive to get to where we want to be, which is being a football league team, I think um, it's admirable that we're not trying to do it by throwing money on the pitch and, and paying massive wages for players, massive transfer fees. A lot of what we're trying to do is to be sustainable so that if there is a ch change in ownership or maybe 10 years down the line, <clears throat> then you've still got that solid foundation to hopefully stay in the football league and with a fan base that's growing alongside that it'll be sustainable for years to come and you've obviously have um simon weaver as manager you know ex-york player yeah. as well and he's um he's been there for years i think how was he sort of to interview and get on with he's he's brilliant yeah get on with him really well i think given the situation with his his dad owns the club it's it's a really it's quite advantageous in a sense that there's um there's always clear lines of communication He's always very keen to promote the club as best he can. So when it comes to media companies coming in, like BT Sport filmed a documentary called The Gaffer, I think, in the, in the season gone by. He was one of the managers featured on it. Other managers, maybe, they might think, well, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to do that. But he, he was so keen to promote the club and help raise the profile of all the good things that are going on that he's just... A pleasure to work with really and and he off off the pitch he's a he's a family man those family values are, are transferred back to the club with his dad owning it so so yeah it's a really it's a really good state of the club at the moment and I think it's it's a model for success yeah so him and the players as well are they generally quite good with social media then because I mean at our level well York's level we're sort of like the bottom of the you know professional professional yeah. games so the players I stick a camera on them and they absolutely love it. I don't know if that's yeah. the same for you guys or... Yeah, the majority are, yeah. You've got a, a few who, who like the spotlight a bit more than others, but I think that's normal to have 
to have it in the big groups. I think there's probably a line somewhere in the contract that says you have to do a certain amount of community work or, or media work. But that, in all the time I've been at Harrogate Town, that's never come up because you ask a player to do something and they're, they're more than happy to do it. Yeah. I think there hasn't been anyone who's been a, a bad egg since I've been there. Everyone who has always genuinely cared about a cause. I think it, it does help that things are going right on the pitch. When you're winning games, you're probably a little bit more happy to, to speak to the media and do an interview, whereas yeah. if you're struggling for relegation, you don't want to give the fans the, the wrong idea and say something you probably that's going to annoy people. So that does help a little bit, but... Yeah, overall, they're a really good bunch and, and a pleasure to work with. Who's the sort of best to interview then out of all? Who's, who's like the joker or, you know, who's the nicest? nicest the, the best to interview, I, I have to say James Belshaw for that because he's a very clever, clever man. He, he told me the other day, I think he got 11 A stars at GCSE or <laughs> something along those lines, which I didn't quite believe it at first because that, that's an incredible achievement. Yeah, much better than I, I could ever dream of, but... You ask him a question and it, and it could be the worst question you've ever asked in your life and he'll rattle off an answer that's just exactly what you want to hear. So, yeah, he, I'd probably say James Belshaw for the best to interview. But there's a few jokers in the pack as well. We did a teammates a while back asking players... In that, yeah. Yeah, silly little questions like who's the worst answer and, and Joe Leasley was ideal for that, really some of his answers were just hilarious and it really got across the squad's personality and I think the fans loved it. Yeah, do you think sometimes when, I mean, just me, Jordan, experiences at York, it's sometimes when the players drop down the pyramid and they've they've played at, you know, academies, maybe in Championship League One yeah. or they've been at League One clubs, they're generally sort of better to interview and they're like media trained. Do you sort of get that at Harrogate? Um, we, we have quite a weird mix of players, to be honest, in that sense. A lot of them, especially some of the key ones, have come from lower down. So Jack Emmett, for example, he never played at any academy or, or anything like that. He played university football at Loughborough. So he's quite a, a bright lad, but he always played for local teams and Harrogate's his, his highest level. But then on the opposite side of things, you've got Will Smith, who's joined us in the summer, having played at Barnsley and, and the likes of Brendan Kiernan, who who played for quite a few Southern clubs, Crystal Palace coming up as a youngster. But no, I haven't noticed too much that there's any difference in, in when chatting to them. They all, I think it depends on the person more or on their upbringing in, in that sense. There is a few who've, who've mentioned, Josh Falconer told me that Leeds United used to give him media training. He's always keen to mention that when I have a chat with him. But yeah, no, they're all very good speakers and I don't think anyone would need it, to be honest. Are you sort of based at the stadium then on a day-to-day basis? Yes, but everyone at the club's based there, really. We don't have external offices or anything, so my typical week would be Monday, Tuesday, going, all the players are training out on the pitch. <clears throat> Wednesday's a day off for everyone, and then Thursday and Friday. Thursday would be press conference day with Radio York coming down. Friday would either be the last training session at the ground or travelling to an away game, so... It's good for me being based at the ground because any sort of content I need from the players, I can just pop out the office and, and go and do it very easily. And I think it brings everyone together as a club as well when staff and players are all eating together, socialising together. 
even when you know like Cheltenham festivals on or something, everyone stays and watches the races. So it helps with morale a little bit, I think. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned Radio York there. What's your sort of relationship with all the press? It, yeah, it's been great. I've, I think because a lot of them are local press. You've got your Harrogate Advertiser, Stray FM, Radio York. They're all very keen to be involved and we've never had any issues at all with, in a negative way. Um, national press, we're trying to get as many down as possible, really. So the Portsmouth game back in November, we had a lot of ones who we'd never seen before, the likes of The Times, I think came down, maybe someone from The Telegraph as well. But everyone who's come to the club has always said how welcome they feel. And I guess that shows that we're doing our job right and hopefully they'll come back and help raise the profile of a club. Yeah, it must have been quite an intense period, you know, when you've got sort of Portsmouth in, in the Cup and you're doing so well. I mean, the press interest yeah. must have been unreal. Yeah, it was, yeah. I think we actually, I had to actually expand the press box um, for that game. I, pr- I was probably the only media manager or, or press person to actually build their own press box, which I think <laughs> was quite good. So I bought a couple of fold-up tables from Argos. Yeah, so yeah, normally we'd just get your Radio Yorks, your, your Harrogate advertiser come down to a game, but as I mentioned, we had all sorts of people. Talk Sport were there, BT of course, which is a, a big thing in himself. And although it was a really enjoyable experience, it, it was quite stressful given the, the power cut before kickoff, nearly making the game not go ahead. That was quite a testing period, but luckily we got through it in the end. And with all this growth and stuff, you know, you're getting all this press interest, you know, you've been on BT Sport and such. All points towards, you know, Harrogate going in the right direction. I mean, how realistically, how far do you think they can go under like the current circumstances? Well, I think the aim is the Football League. That's, I think, fairly public knowledge. Everyone at the club is trying to push in that same direction to be a Football League club. If I'm honest, it's probably happened a little bit quicker than I would have expected from when I joined the club in the National League North. We're only in our second season in the National League now. And last season, we were seen as real surprise package to finish sixth and get into the playoffs. But this season, challenging for the title, it probably has happened a little bit quicker than expected. I think um, there's been a lot of stadium work going on in these past couple of seasons, not only to get us ready for the top tier of non-league, but also preparations for the Football League. And I think... Having been there on a day-to-day basis in the last few years, you see all the builders coming in and out. You maybe forget how how much it has come on until you see a picture of sort of two years ago when the place where there's a big stand now, it's just empty. So I think the Football League is a realistic aim. That'll bring with it its own challenges, whether we can be sustainable in there. And I think a lot of it comes down to whether we can sustain that fan base because... We're not one of the most well-supported teams in the league in terms of numbers, but that's my job and that's other people's jobs at the club to try and build that fan base and, and make it sustainable. So how many sort of staff members do you have at the club? I mean, I know at York we're sort of <coughs> very light in terms of full-time staff. And what's yeah. like arrogant? Yeah, we're the same. So there'd be myself and, and the general manager normally in the office together. The managing director who's also also there as well. Um, and then you've got other like your caretakers, um, chefs and cleaners, that sort of thing. So really, there's not 
too many full-time staff outside outside of playing staff, which does make it difficult. But then there's also the opportunity for when we have a big game like the Portsmouth game, I was able to bring someone in to help on the media side and we'd maybe bring someone in to help man the office for that week. So it, it, it's quite flexible, but it's hard without really knowing the staff levels at other clubs because you go to the likes of Yeovil and you see a, a thriving ticket office when you go there. Yeah, Five to ten members of staff who probably aren't all full-time, but it's still quite daunting given the size of some of the clubs in our level. So I'd say we, we could probably do with a few more, to be honest. And if we want to make that step to the Football League, we could get a few more in and really increase productivity and continue to kick on as a club. Yeah, I think it goes to show how well Harrogate are doing in terms of you know the staff levels there behind the scenes and stuff. They're very sort of cost-effective. Um, you mentioned there about um, getting some sort of help in on the media side for the Portsmouth yeah. game. Um, is that something you probably have budget for or, you, or do you just sort of ask for interns? Or Well, yeah, interns sort of. It, it was a, We opened up to a voluntary position at the start of the season just because I, I felt like I could need some more help. There's always increasing media demands with social media channels changing and, and different routes that, that people are taking on the media side of things. So we had a, about five really, really good applications who, who we decided to interview. It was all on a voluntary basis. And we ended up taking on two of them. Um, one of them, Henry, is a student at Leeds studying journalism. So it's something he wants to forge a career in. So uh, he was the one we got in to help before the Portsmouth game. And he, he's been fantastic because he's always willing to help. And then the other one is a lad called Danny. It's kind of been there and done it in a way. He used to work for the Metro covering Manchester City. Um, he then had a bit of a career change and moved to Harrogate, but welcomed the opportunity to get back into football. And those two have been invaluable to me on a match day in particular, when I'm tied up with other things, whatever it may be speaking to BT, um, communicating about a power failure. They've just been able to get on and, and sort of match report, social media feeds, Instagram, and, and keeping keeping everything ticking over, really, and, and improving it as well. Yeah, it must be sort of good to have that sort of help on match day as well. And you think it's probably good for them as well? I mean, students come in and, you know, they get the work experience and then they can go on to sort of do other things. You think it's good experience? Yeah, definitely. I think... It's, it's a great thing to have on your CV, actual first-hand experience with a football club. And it's something that helped me with Harrogate Railway. You know, it, it, they sort of asked a, asked a lot of me. I had to show a good level of commitment to go up and down the country, go into every game, giving up my weekends. But ultimately, it's got me where I am. So I guess my, my advice to someone wanting to forge a career in this industry would be, find your local club, find someone who, who needs help and, and just get involved. You might find you absolutely love it and you never know where it'll take you. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to sort of go on to the, the rebrand, which you touched on at the start as well. Um, is that something you were sort of involved in? It happened during the season. I was a volunteer there, so not as directly involved as I would have been now. But I think the reaction to it was... I don't know if you you know our, our old badge very well, but it was blue yeah, and red. It, it was the Harrogate coat of arms, I think, which yeah. is significant to Harrogate. But for me, it, it never said Harrogate Town because it's blue and red. And I don't think we've ever played in blue and red. Certainly not a home kit. So 
it's a bit of a difficult subject changing the the badge of a football club because you've got long-serving fans who are loyal to it and and a little bit resistant of change. But overall, I think it was a great thing to do. And while it's hard to sort of measure measure the success that's actually had on the club in total, I think it shows we're a modern, ambitious club who aren't afraid to adapt in order to grow. So how did the uh, older fans sort of react to that new badge? Were they a bit apprehensive at first? Um, There wasn't too much, to be honest. I was expecting a little bit more of a, you know, we don't like it, this this isn't what what we want to see, but I think everyone was actually very welcome of it and, and credit to Daniel because it was done very professionally. It looks good and I think it had to be because you'd seen some of the disasters. I'm not sure if we did it before or after Leeds' rebound, but yeah. that could quite easily have been the case if we'd have got it wrong. Um, I was part of the fans group who gave feedback on the current badge and sort of suggested things that they'd like to see in the new badge. So it was important we kept a Yorkshire Rose and that, that sort of thing. So it, it was a process at, in which the fans were consulted in, which I think definitely helped mitigate the uh, negative feedback we would have got if it had just been someone making a decision and saying, this is what I want it to be. I'm not going to listen to anyone else's point of view. Was there like a voting process then or did people just throw ideas out there? No, there wasn't. It was it was a forum of, of selected supporters. We, had, we tried to get a mix, so the older supporters, families, who is obviously an area we're trying to grow at the club and they all sort of brainstormed what they would like to see in a Harrogate Town badge. What does Harrogate Town represent for them? And there was words that came out, sort of pride, that kind of thing, which is where Proud to be Town all stemmed from. So, yeah, it wasn't a vote, but it was more of a, a process, really. Yeah, and I guess the, you know, black and yellow is quite good for design as well, I'm guessing. Yeah, it is, yeah. Taking a lot of inspiration from Dortmund, I think, at the time of the rebrand slightly before it. Dortmund under Jurgen Klopp, one of the best teams in Europe. They played attacking football. Their fan base is incredible. So it was quite easy to make those colours stand out. And I think over the years, we have had some really nice kits and that that helps not only with shirt sales, but if you can get people wanting to wear Harrogate Town gear because it looks cool as well, then you're going to grow your brand. Yeah, so do you sort of do all the, the graphics and stuff as well? No, not not really. No, we have a little bit of a mix with graphics. So Matt Kirkham, our photographer, gets involved in a lot. Um, he, he does a lot. We've also got a new graphic designer come on board recently called Rich Saltmarsh, and he, he's got a, his own graphic design business. So he's been fantastic in coming up with designs and allowing us to to help promote the club. In the past, we've used a series of different people, really, which been challenging in some aspects because you want to keep the brand very on brand if you like you don't want to go to one graphic designer and have a really good design and go to another one and it and it be something completely different so it's important to keep that constant brand message I feel but no graphic design something I can do very I'd say very basically I've used Canva a little bit and if I've got an idea in my head of what I want it might take me a little bit of time to create it but I can do but I, uh, I prefer to use to leave that to the people who are who really, really good on branding and graphic design. 
Does the sort of agencies you use then or just sort of part-time people or? Yeah, it's been a mix really. We, we have spoken to agencies. There's one in Leeds we use at the moment called Pixel Builders. They actually designed our website and have done a great job with that. That's been nominated for a few awards recently as well. But then um, Rich Saltmarsh, a programme designer who I mentioned, he's just a local Harrogate Town fan who, who really wanted to get involved. And he's come on board to help with designing the programme, which I had been doing before, but not being a graphic designer by trade, it, it took me a lot of time and I was never really going to make it look how it really should have done as an ambitious club at our level, but he's come in and, and put his own stamp on it and, and it looks fantastic now. What's your thoughts on like the match day programme then? Because for me, it seems it takes up a lot of my week and it yeah. doesn't really make the the profits what matter at the club. Yeah, I mean, ours doesn't make profit at all. It just, I don't know whether it's a, people are a little bit less reluctant to read it. You get your supporters who no matter how good the programme is I think they'd come and buy it every week and spend their £3 on it which to be honest is, is probably what I'd do but sales aren't really even at the top of the game I think you're on about 10% which yeah. like you say it used to take me 10 plus hours a week to put together a programme and that was really just doing the basics without ever really spending a good amount of time on it and, and thinking how it could develop and how we could really please fans so it's not it's not really a priority at the moment, but done right, which it has been doing now with this new graphic designer, I think it, it can be a real useful marketing tool because if you think how much a team or a business would spend to get to get a magazine like that in front of so many people, they'd probably put a significant outlay on it. So if we can make our programme encompass all areas of the club and make fans want to pick it up and read about everything that's going on, that's going to have a knock-on effect and a lot of benefits. So I'd say it's definitely worth doing. It's just maybe takes a bit of time to find that right person and, and getting that balance right. I don't know if you do this already, but the, what do you think about sort of online programmes and just doing it sort of simply just online? I think a lot of people who buy programmes are the older generation who maybe wouldn't be too keen on downloading it before the match rather than having the physical copy in the hand. What we do at the moment is, as an incentive to season ticket holders, we allow them to download every single match programme free of charge, which I don't know how many of them do it, but I know some do, because you, you often see it on the supporters group before a match. You know, we've just seen this in the programme. So I think that's been useful in terms of having an extra incentive for people to buy season tickets, and it makes them feel a little bit more part of a club um, but I, I do think I wouldn't like to see it go completely digital as as an alternative to the written match day program because a lot of what's special about it is that you can pick one up and read it on the way home and it's that real collector's item feel yeah absolutely just wanted to go on to that I think I, something I've seen on your social media before it's these sort of really cinematic videos um, which I think I saw the, the Portsmouth one actually um, is that something you do or is that um, someone you get in again or who does no, that that's, that's someone someone we get in so we've had a couple of people do it really first of all Lewis Middleton who I mentioned really talented videographer who's gone on to 
set his own Leeds United fan TV channel up, or Leeds Me TV, I think it was. It started with him, really, um, when we were pushing for the playoffs from a National League North and really going for promotion. I just felt like we needed something to document this day because it was probably the biggest day in our history so far. And then when he put together this video, um, about three minutes long, he captured the day so perfectly. The music on it, you had supporters crying, watching it. So from then on, I felt like it's been important to capture the real key moments in the club's history in this cinematic style. It's a little bit based on these behind-the-scenes documentaries, your Sunderland Till I Die, the Leeds United one, where you get a little bit of a different insight into the football club. So, And then Lewis has gone on to different things anyway. So we've been using a company called Represent Media. Um, they've got links to Harrogate as well, which makes it good because they've got an interest in Harrogate Town rather than just seeing us as a client. But they've done an exceptional job as well. And I, I think it really... Some of their videos, well, all of their videos really capture what the club's about and that's in, invaluable to us, really, when we're trying to promote our brand. I suppose it gives supporters a, a better match day experience as well. I mean, we do match day experiences, you know, just have one lad go around on the iPhone, basically, and, yeah. and do that. And, you know, they're so sort of easy to do, even on an iPhone. Um, I think it gives fans a much sort of personal view, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree completely. I think... As, as good as it is watching match highlights, it's just the same sort of angle. It's You might see a few good goals from nice football, but you don't really get to see the fans coming in the ticket office, buying their tickets, showing their passion in, in the stands. And I think because a lot of our fans know each other and they're all good friends as well, they socialise, it adds a little bit seeing them on it. So, oh yeah, it, you know, our friends on there, with his badge and his pint before the match, it, it just adds to that match day experience, really. And I think that's a key area we need to look to continue to grow the match day experience if we want to grow the crowd. Yeah, being the sort of only media um, person at the club, is it quite sort of intense at times? Yeah, it can be. Obviously, I've got a lot of volunteers and, and people to help. The programme editor I mentioned, videographers, photographers, are all, all do a great job. But it's, it can be quite difficult sometimes to get every single area of the club given the credit it deserves because there's so much going on, especially in the community section of a club, which has been set up over the past few years. And it's now a registered charity. We have walking football twice a week. There's so many walking footballers and they're all so passionate about it. They, they turn up about an hour before their session's due to start just so they can warm up for walking football. Warm up. <laughs> yeah, you'd love to have the time to really go in depth with that, write about that, run features on that. Then there's also all the youth set up at the club, so the Player Development Centre, which has been a real key area for growth that we're trying to continue to grow. And all the success of the youth teams, our under-17s win the league a lot, um, 19s, 21s, education programme, ladies football as well, which has gone from strength to strength over the last couple of years. So. That's probably the biggest challenge is to get those areas the exposure they deserve. But using volunteers and paid part-time staff, I think it is possible. Do you find yourself doing other jobs like other than media, considering the small sort of staff group you have? Yeah, especially when it's around big games. So 
the Portsmouth match, for example, um, myself and the, the general manager were in the office selling tickets for the majority of the week. Same when it comes to the playoff final against Brackley and the, the playoff semi-final against Chorley because it was... And even the York game when we played York, we were just man in the office. And it does take you away a little bit from the job you want to be doing and you feel like you should be doing. But I think you just you just have to get on with it, really. Um, before we hired someone on a part-time basis to run our club shop, when that had just got set up, I think I spent the whole month of December packaging orders and, and sending out shirts. So you do have to, given the size of a club and, and where we are, muck in a little bit and do other things that are necessary. But I think it, that makes you feel a little bit more like part of a club and gives it a bit more of a family feel as well. Is it a family feel? Is it, is it quite nice being in that sort of customer-facing role? You know, you said about the club shop ticket office, you know, yeah. where you interact with the fans that most of them sort of know who you are and stuff and say hi and that. Yeah, it's something I enjoy. I think when it's a club you support and you might go there once a week to have a look in your shop or, or to buy a ticket, but you remember that interaction. Whereas to me, it'll just be, I might serve 50 people a day for tickets, but to that person, they want to come in and have a little chat about who's been training well. They might want to have a little, little chat about the game on Saturday. So sometimes you do end up having the same conversation four or five times, but it's an aspect of a job that I do like. You know, I'm a, I'm a football fan. I like talking about football, so you're never going to get any complaints from me for, for having to speak to fans because ultimately they're what keeps the football club going. Yeah, brilliant. So... I mean, that was a really good chat. I've um, just got one sort of last question, which I'm going to ask everyone on this podcast. Um, what is your dream job? Dream job would be media manager at Liverpool FC. You're a Liverpool fan? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Pretty. Well, thanks so much for coming on. If anyone from Liverpool's listening, get in touch with Hal. Yeah, um... Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. You've made it to the end of this podcast, you're an absolute legend and thanks for listening. Just to say the podcast now has well over 1,000 downloads, which is crazy considering I set this up just under two weeks ago. As I said when I started, there's a strong community of sporting minds out there and I'm glad it's gone down so well with everyone. Also, just a reminder, if you're a regular listener, you can subscribe or follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify. And also, if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would really help this reach more people.